welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Taves, and I'm joined again today by Dr. Storsbach, and uh, welcome to the show again. Thank you. And uh, today we actually have a kind of an exciting topic that we're going to talk about, and it's it's getting into the weeds a little bit of, of what can be affected with patients that have headaches and migraines, and we're going to go through a little bit of anatomy. We're going to talk about a, a specific nerve and why that's important to understand what this nerve does. Um, and I'm excited because I've I've been able to um, see all types of different patients with headaches and migraines, same with Dr. Storsbach, and we see some sort of out there things, and we're always trying to problem solve and figure out what is actually happening. How do we how do we tie these symptoms together? And so I think this podcast will be helpful for those of you that are like, well, man, I have I have stomach pain or I have these sort of odd symptoms. And um, we're going to try to trace those together with uh, with one specific nerve in this podcast. But um, I think I think it'll be enlightening. So what we're talking about today is the vagus nerve. And we're going to talk about the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, how those impact you, the sufferer with you, the person that is suffering with headaches and migraines and um, and why it's important to understand this. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how as physical therapists, we might be able to um, affect these systems, the fight or flight response, the rest and digest response, um, how that has an impact on you, and then what we might practically do in the clinic or maybe you at home, what you can kind of seek for in treatment approaches that might be able to help you once you understand this process. So Dr. Storzbach, let's first start off with just talking about the vagus nerve. What is it? Why is it important? Um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. So it's also called the 10th cranial nerve. We have 12 cranial nerves. Um, and that means cranial, meaning they start in our brainstem, um, and move, you know, down throughout the body. So this is the 10th cranial nerve. It's actually our longest and most complex cranial nerve in the body. And when I say complex, it's just super diverse. It helps regulate body temperature, um, lowers our heart rate and blood pressure, um, helps with satiation, um, inflammation, and even our immune system. Uh, The vagus nerve is primarily known to increase parasympathetic. So you just talked about that fight or flight or the rest and digest. Fight or flight is the sympathetic system. And then the parasympathetic system is the rest and digest, and that's also primarily stimulated by this vagus nerve. Yeah, so talk about the, the longest nerve in our body, mm-hmm. uh, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it goes from uh, kind of our brainstem where it exits the spinal column through a little, they, they call it a foramen in the base of the skull. And then it, it runs all the way down to like our gut, like into mm-hmm. our stomach. Mm-hmm. And so it's this little tiny nerve that has a few branches off of it. Um, but what what's important about how it travels through like our neck and, and maybe mm-hmm. our uh, abdomen or our chest? What are some important aspects about, about that? Well, there's several things. So as it relates to headaches and migraines, um, actually the fibers, when it's in the brainstem, um, actually like intertwine with the trigeminal and facial nerve. So we talk about that a lot on our podcast because that's where like that head and face pain can actually come from. Um, but there's actually like anatomical um, connections there in the brainstem. And then when it comes out, it runs along a front neck muscle called the sternocleidomastoid. Um, that's when you turn your head, you see that nice diagonal muscle that pops out. Um, it can also be really affected with whiplash injuries. 
Um, and so this nerve runs directly along that muscle and then dives down through our chest and then uh, feeds into our heart, our stomach, um, our diaphragm, and lots of other organs. So again, it has multiple branches. It's very complex. Um, and it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a nerve that I think should be talked about more. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to this, this muscle in our neck that helps us rotate and kind of look up, it's called our sternocleidomastoid. And that, that sternocleidomastoid muscle is something that we, we see often in the clinic is hyperactive. So it actually has uh, what we call tone. Those muscle fibers are contracting when they, when they should just be relaxed. Um, there's a couple different types of muscles in our body. There's, there's type 2 and type 1 fibers. And the, the, the more type 1 fibers a muscle has means that it's meant for posture. And in this scenario, we'll say it's meant for holding our head up throughout the day. Now, the sternocleidomastoid muscle is more of a type 2 fiber, meaning it's meant to do sort of big movements, um, but it's meant to contract and then relax. So it's not really intended to hold our head up throughout the day. So in the case of a whiplash injury or maybe just prolonged poor posturing or this neck tension problem we talk about, this sternocleidomastoid muscle can actually have more of the responsibility of, of what the postural muscles should be doing. And so it will kind of be contracted uh, or there will be tone in the muscle throughout the day. And so one thing we always want to address is when there's there's tension through a muscle, what are some of the surrounding uh, anatomical structures that might be affected by it. Mm -hmm. So that this SCM or the sternocleidomastoid muscle, it's important because a lot of patients with headaches and migraines have that sort of increased tone through it. The other thing is this vagus nerve runs right in front of what are called the scalene muscles. And the scalene muscles, there's three of them, the anterior, the middle, and the posterior scalene. And these are muscles that run along the side of your neck on each side. And, uh, they also are going to, to play a role in, in neck movements, maybe a little bit in posture. Uh, but for, and then they're also going to have a, a role in breathing because they connect into our upper ribs. And so there's a lot of things that uh, can play into these scalene muscles having increased tension through them. Um, but we have to understand that this, this, vagus, this vagus nerve is kind of, uh, let's say, sandwiched in between the sternocleidomastoid uh, and these scaling muscles. So if there is, Dr. Storzbach, if there is tension through the sternocleidomastoid or these scaling muscles, and likely both, mm -hmm. what might be the impact of that on the vagus nerve? Well, yeah, to start, um, the nerves are happiest when they have space and movement and blood flow. They all sit within a sheath or kind of like a tubing, and they should be able to slide and glide nicely in there and not get caught on any other structures. So if we start to get a lot of muscle tension um, or just constriction around these nerves, they're not going to be super happy when they start to get compressed. Yeah, so if you're at home and you're thinking um, – if you're having a hard time understanding this, let me use the example of uh, low back pain because a lot of a lot of people will experience this in their lifetime with low back pain. Um, so it, we have nerves that exit our spinal column all the way from the base of our head uh, to our tailbone. And those nerves exiting the spinal column are interacting or uh, are, are sort of running across joints, muscles, uh, tendons, ligaments. And when you get into the body, it's, you know, you, you look at a picture of, 
uh, of the musculoskeletal system with nerves and everything looks nice and neat and sort of separated. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, everything is kind of interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so tension within a joint, so using this example of the low back, um, a lot of patients will have like stress through their hip or through their low back that will cause tension and kind of a neural tension, meaning that nerve can't glide. And what they'll have is kind of uh, numbness, tingling, uh, pain, what we call paresthesias, uh, that will run down their leg so that, or a radiculopathy. And so the nerve itself can be irritated enough where the patient actually experiences symptoms from that nerve that's aggravated but initially is what we call a musculoskeletal problem where the muscles, the joints, aren't necessarily doing their job. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Dr. Storzbach, we, um, you were talking about a, a study that actually uh, looked at headache patients, mm-hmm. patients with headaches, and how um, this this vagus nerve, they were interacting with it somehow. So tell us more about this study. Yeah, so in 2019... Um, there was a study of 248 participants where they had half of them uh, the sham group and then half be the test group that are actually getting the treatment. And they used what was called a gamma core. It's a device that runs along the neck that you just hold onto the neck, and it's an electrical stimulation of the vagus nerve. Um, But it's called non-invasive because obviously they don't have to go internal, which is nice. And it was a class one study. Class one just means it's really widely accepted. It was a big randomized control trial. And specifically with patients that had episodic migraines with or without aura. Um, So one group got 20 minutes during, they all had a headache. They would get 20 minutes of this non-invasive vagus nerve stimulation. And then one would get a sham. And they, the findings were that this significantly increased the probability of having a mild pain or being completely pain-free two hours post-stimulation. So I thought that was a really fun article to read about. Yeah, so this is, these were people with headaches Mm -hmm. receiving the stimulation Mm -hmm. for the vagus nerve. Yep. So let's try to connect the vagus nerve to headaches specifically. Yeah, so the parasympathetic system that we started talking about is so important to help calm down the system, calm down nervous system to the point where you can actually um, have a recovery. Um, that's really where recovery and um, beautiful things happen in rest and digest phase versus that constant fight or flight stage. So the vagus nerve um, will help lower blood pressure and heart rate, put you into that rest and digest phase. And a lot of times people just with that can have a, a decreased pain across the board, but for sure with headaches and migraines. Yeah, stress is a big trigger for a lot of patients, mm-hmm. and so I think that's kind of what the take-home of just uh, this portion of our conversation could be, is if you find yourself having stress as a trigger, um, this this vagus nerve is sort of the, the key to unlocking the parasympathetic system, mm-hmm. um, and so we'll, we'll kind of get to how you might be able to stimulate the vagus nerve on your own. Uh, but we we were having sort of an interesting conversation because the vagus nerve actually has its hand in a lot of different things. Uh, one of the the sort of odd types of migraines that we see here in the clinic is um, is called an abdominal migraine, and these these are patients that have maybe like abdominal pain and upset upset stomach. Uh, maybe they're nauseous and vomiting or vomiting cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually not too uncommon with migraines. 
And that connection between the neck and the abdomen has been sort of mysterious. If you go to the primary care doc or the neurologist, they, they're not necessarily considering the neck. And so they classify it as an abdominal migraine, but they don't really take it any further. They don't explain why you're having an abdominal migraine. Um, abdominal migraines oftentimes lead people down the road of working with a functional medicine doctor or dietary changes, things like that. Um, and, and that's actually something that, that can be very helpful for patients. But why would someone with an abdominal migraine potentially benefit from what we do? Right. Um, well, good news is we see, like you said, a lot of patients here that have upset stomach symptoms, a lot of nausea and vomiting that will get better with just our neck treatment. And I just relate that to the fact that if we can calm down the, um, get the joints moving enough that the muscles around the nerves relax, then the nerve impulses are better, which means all the way down into the stomach, they are better um, and can improve, you know, that stomach upset. And we see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this vagus nerve um, running right behind this sternocleidomastoid. So let's say um, the neck tension is is sort of causing the vagal the vagus nerve to to be dysfunctional in a sense, or send a faulty signal because we see that um, quite often with with nerves interacting with this tension that we're talking about. So um, it the vagus nerve is actually also carrying uh, what are called afferent signals. So those are signals from uh, a particular tissue to the brain. Um, and then efferent would be from the brain to that particular tissue. And so afferent signals are more like sensory input. So um, if you hit your head or if, if you have something that tickles or things like that, um, our sensory input is running through afferent fibers. Now, these afferent fibers in the vagus nerve are coming from our abdomen. And so if there's any sort of upset stomach or pain in our stomach, it's actually going to run through the vagus nerve. Um, and so I actually have a, a patient, a couple of patients right now that one of their, one of their symptoms, and for one, it's their primary symptom is actually stomach pain and upset stomach. Um, and it's changed what this patient, uh, can eat or wants to eat. And, um, it's, it's caused them a significant amount of discomfort and, and, um, this reducing their quality of life. Now it's hard because, you wouldn't intuitively think of stomach pain as being a neck problem. And I would I would suggest if you are someone that has abdominal migraines and the stomach pain is your primary concern, uh, I would I would suggest that we still look at the neck. One because treating the neck is very conservative, meaning um, there there's virtually no side effects to at least having your neck worked on. And then what we can use is sort of testing how that stomach pain responds to any reduced stress to your neck. And that's kind of how we would evaluate if potentially this vagus nerve is involved or if there's a connection between your neck and kind of what your brain thinks is happening with your abdomen. Um, because with a lot of these patients, they go through the testing of looking at their gut health. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll do imaging of their, of their stomach or ultrasounds, things like that. And typically nothing will be found. And it really has to do with just the sensory input and how the brain is perceiving it. Mm -hmm. So let's transition a little bit to what what can people at home do? What what are maybe some take home points? Because there actually there are some things that I think even today or after listening to this podcast, you can maybe try 
to stimulate the vagus nerve and, and maybe get some of the benefits of the parasympathetic system, yeah. reduce stress, stuff like that. So what are some of those things? So first off, this nerve runs close to the vocal cords, you know, through the throat. And so a lot of these initial activities kind of center around the vocal cords, which is interesting. The first thing I found was gargling. That could be water or your mouthwash or whatever. Gargling can actually um, be an activity you can try. Singing was one, singing and humming, um, and then laughing. And the one I love because I do some yoga is the OM in yoga um, is thought to, you know, stimulate this vagan, vagus nerve. So those are easy things you can fit in during the day. Um, you know, why would you not want to start your day off by singing in the shower, that sort of thing. So the other thing you can try um, is is the deep breathing. And I know we've heard this over and over and over again, like just take deep breaths. It'll help with your stress. But it is actually our one true control system that we have internally to hack our parasympathetic system. It's the one thing because we can't control our heart rate or our blood pressure, but we can control our respiratory rate. So if you can get into those deep, full inhales and full exhales, slowing your breath down, you can stimulate the vagus nerve and help get you into that parasympathetic system. Um, the other thing I saw was taking a cold shower um, or just exposure to cold. So you could walk outside for five minutes on a cold morning with less clothes on, really get that cold exposure. That can be helpful. Um, taking probiotics because we just talked about the gut health. So actually now there's research to show that if you improve gut health, it actually improves the vagus nerve stimulation and then omega-3 fatty acids. Um, the last thing, not the least, is exercise. Exercise actually does increase um, vagus nerve activity, especially once you have done the exercise and are calming down, the body can really get into that rest and digest phase. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Those are all very pr practical things. People can, yeah. yeah, take that information, do something with it. I mm. love it. Um, one, one of the other things I want to talk about is how this might impact what we do here in the clinic. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about that. Like what are some things maybe to the sternocleidomastoid mm -hmm. or these other neck muscles? How would we approach this to to get those things to calm down. Yeah, so the uh, vagus nerve has a branch uh, right around the auricular nerve feeding into the ear. So actually certain parts of the ear can also stimulate the vagus nerve. So I will sometimes do, um, you know, pressure point holds on the on the ear and then definitely nice massage along that sternocleidomastoid to stimulate the vagus nerve. Um, stretching of the scalenes like we talked about to open that space up. All of those things we can incorporate into treatment. Yeah. And one, one of the things I like to talk about is when, when we're looking at muscle tension, we have to understand that tension oftentimes is sort of a precursor to that is the joint not moving the way it should. Um, or the, in this situation could be poor posturing, things like that. So, um, we don't want to look too far downstream before understanding what's upstream. And so upstream is if, and I, you know, I'm going to always go back to this, as I said, in my last podcast, but what is the upper part of the neck doing when you turn your head? Are all of these joints doing their job or are there a couple that are maybe lacking? And can we work on those so that the sternocleidomastoid muscle, every time you turn, doesn't have to kick in to really strive to get your head to turn. And so we want to make sure that your joint health and your joint mobility is what it should be um, so that the scalenes and the sternocleidomastoid muscles uh, don't have to be as aggravated or irritated throughout the day. And so this vagus nerve is sort of a trickle-down effect from what um, is likely this, this upper neck issue affecting other systems of the body. Um, and so it's, it's really kind of fun for us as physical therapists because we feel like 
in physical therapy school, we know anatomy. It's kind of our thing, um, especially when it comes to the musculoskeletal system. I mean, we, we go through cadaver labs, um, and, and we spend more time in the anatomy lab, at least at Mayo. We, we spend a lot more time looking at human anatomy than even the medical students. And so it's one of these things that when it comes to understanding the anatomy and the relationship between a vagus nerve and the sternocleidomastoid and the scalenes and understanding the impact of those, of those uh, structures being so close to each other, um, we feel like we are equipped to sort of step in and, and sort of uh, describe this in a way that makes sense to you, the patient, but then also intervene and treat it mm-hmm. because having this tension and, and having these effects uh, on on our GI system, maybe stomach pains and uh, having this, this uh, lack of ability to sort of um, stimulate that nerve to, to tap into to the parasympathetic system. Um, it's fun to know that as a physical therapist, what the work we do can have an impact on, on all of these different things. So um, any sort of like last thoughts or, or take homes for people? Well, for me, again, is just go back to your breath. That sounds very yogic, but it is one of the beautiful things of, of yoga that they focus on the breath. And I think the reason people get, can get so much benefit from yoga is that they're hacking their parasympathetic system, which again is where beautiful things can happen like recovery. Um, and so definitely try a minimum, try some deep breaths before you go to bed tonight and then maybe try a few of the other things we talked about earlier. So there you go. There's, there's everything that you didn't know you needed to know about the vagus nerve and, uh, understanding the parasympathetic system that rest and digest and then the sympathetic, that fight or flight, and how those can impact you as someone who has headaches or migraines. This is the Headache Doctor podcast. We're so grateful for our listeners as you help us along this journey to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. Stay tuned next time for another great podcast. 